Edward was seven when his parents divorced, and his mother moved with his kids to the Northeast with her kids. Edward's father, Louis, took off with his career, in which he became very successful. Louis lived in several cities around the country and saw his children twice a year. Their feelings of abandonment and rejection were difficult, and over time their relationships with their father deteriorated into estrangement. When the kids were in their 30s, though, their dad got sick. Uncertain at first about a diagnosis, they listened from across the country to the symptoms and finally learned that their dad had a degenerative disease that would lead to death. It was past time to begin the process of reconciliation. And while most of us are not prodigal sons or daughters or prodigal parents, like Lewis, reconciliation is an issue for each of us. If we're diligent about our finances, we reconcile our bank statements once a month. We ensure that all the numbers have been entered correctly and that income and outgo are correct. The same is true when we reconcile in other ways. We may not have as dramatic a reconciliation to make as Edward and his father, and yet we all are in need of some sort of reconciliation, of adjusting things that just over time get out of balance. And while this story in Luke 15 is most often called the parable of the prodigal son, some have retitled it the parable of the lost sons, plural. The younger son is better known. The word prodigal means wastefully extravagant and reckless. And we may have a few people here today who have had experience with reckless living. No need to raise your hands. The younger son comes to his father and insults him deeply by saying, I wish you were dead and that I could have my inheritance. But the father offers it to him, seemingly willingly. Perhaps he understood that the younger son would remain reckless until he slammed into the bottom of his self-dug pit So for this younger son, the bottom of the pit was feeding pigs, which for a Jew was a repugnant animal. The young man was starved too and would even have eaten pig slop, but somehow he knew better. And so we're told by Jesus that he came to himself. It's an interesting phrase, he came to himself. Have you ever had an experience of coming to yourself? After college, but before seminary, I worked for an investment firm. I started out as a receptionist. Good morning, Thompson, Siegel, and Walmsley. How may I help you? And then I became an account administrator. And in that position, I reconciled monthly account statements. And after I had done that for a number of months, it hit me one day that I felt unreconciled with my job. It felt meaningless. I felt restless. Over time, I learned that there was a different kind of work to which I was being drawn. And at that stage, the Baptist Theological Seminary at Richmond had just opened, and that seemed like a more appropriate path for me to follow. I came to myself and turned around. 
not in nearly as dramatic a fashion as our young friend in the pigsty, but it was a turn for me. What about for you? Have you ever come to a point in your life, in your job, in your relationships, when it was time to make a turn? A time to come to yourself, time to turn towards a new way of being? Paul reminds us in his letter to the Corinthians that God specializes in this. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. The prodigal son desires reconciliation with his father, even if it means becoming a servant in his father's house. And what else could he be? He had relinquished his sonship when he collected his inheritance. He had no land, he had no money, he had no food. All he could be was a servant. And finally, he was prepared for that humble position. So he turned around toward home. And we hear of current stories where that happens too. People come to themselves in abusive relationships and find the courage to get out. People decide that their addiction has had power over them for long enough and they seek help to control it instead of allowing it to control them. A couple separates and then decides it's worth the work to enjoy the rewards of a long-term relationship. So turning around, as the prodigal son did, is not the strangest part of this part of the story. The strangest part is how the father receives his young son. When the father sees him from far off, Luke tells us he was filled with compassion. He breaks into a run toward him, a very inappropriate action for a patriarch in that day. He ran and he put his arms around him and kissed him. And then the young son's, younger son said to his father what he had been rehearsing all along. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And before the son can get to the third part of his statement, treat me as one of your hired hands, the father says to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, bring out the ring, bring out the sandals for his feet, kill the fatted calf, let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate, knowing that reconciliation was complete and that joy would from that point continue. But wait, there's more. Reconciliation of the father with the younger son created fissures in the relationship with the older son. Now, Many firstborn children would be happy their little siblings were out of the way, and they could return to the good old days when they were the only child to receive their parents' attention and affection. Now the little brat has come back and ruined everything. The older son becomes angry and refuses to go in and join the party. And what does the father do? Same thing he did before. He goes out to his son. He pleads with him. 
What for? Was he pleading for the older son to join the party? Was he pleading for understanding? Was he pleading for forgiveness on behalf of the younger son? Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. What did the older son do? This parable is incomplete, isn't it? Did he stay outside and whine to the slaves? Did he go back in his room and cry? Did he run away? Did he come to himself and go into the party? Was there reconciliation? What did he do? If we see ourselves in the place of the younger son, we get a grace-filled picture of God running out to us, robing us, and being compassionate and forgiving. In wisdom, knowing that reconciliation is a more fulfilling way to live. If we see ourselves in the place of the older son, what is our image? Are we spoiled and we just want things the way they were? Do we just want to continue with the status quo and not let anyone else into the picture to ruin everything? Is reconciliation even a consideration for this older boy? Luke's text leads us to consider reconciliation with family and others. And stepping into the text can also lead us to consider other forms of reconciliation. Some of us need to be reconciled with our past. We've made major mistakes. We've committed sins that have hurt others or ourselves. And we still feel the anger and the disappointment in ourselves and the shame. Could the one who makes all things new help us reconcile with our past? Some of us need to reconcile with who, who we are. Our humanity, our bodies. Just like a refrigerator or a car, we need maintenance. And sometimes when we maintain our car well, it lasts a good while, and sometimes we just happen to end up with a lemon, and despite our best efforts, our bodies are not what they would like for them to be. In addition, we are mortal, life is fragile. Rarely does death come at times we want. It seems too early or too late. Could the one who makes all things new help us reconcile with our humanity? Some of us need to reconcile with our flaws. A minister and his family were walking down a street in Daytona Beach when two women wearing skimpy bikinis passed by. The minister remarked, how disgusting. His wife said, if it's so disgusting, why do you look? And their 12-year-old son said, I think dad likes to be disgusted. (laughs) And that dad's not alone. Each of us has our own set of temptations against which we struggle. And when I suggest that we reconcile with our flaws, I don't mean that we give in to them but we search them out. We seek to understand the base desires that cause them and reconcile ourselves with that. Maybe you had an overprotective mother that makes you resist care and compassion and need. Or maybe it was an absent father that makes you fear being alone. 
Maybe growing up in poverty makes you want to spend more than you have. Usually when we delve into our pasts and ask lots of questions of ourselves and of our relatives and others who knew us and our families well, we discern new information about ourselves that help us to reconcile with our flaws and become new creations. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Behold, everything has become new. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us so we are ambassadors for Christ. It begins with being reconciled to God. God comes running toward us to welcome us home or pleading for us to join the party. And always interested in reconciliation, God accepts us the way we are, humiliated or arrogant, empty or full, unsaved or certain of salvation, sinners and saints, winners and losers. God is watching for us. Like the prodigal son, as we walk toward God, God runs toward us and welcomes us home. And from that powerful sense of home, we go out to become ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors don't stay in their home country. We go out and invite others home and welcome them with the Father's grace and joy. We all are invited to join the party. So let's go. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord God, for inviting us to your party. Thank you for joy. Thank you for relief. And thank you for accepting us just the way we are. Guide us in being grateful for all of your gifts. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.